Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but my time is finally here. I can feel the change in the wind right now. Nothing's in my way. One of these days, I'll learn how to fade that thing out correctly. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Jess Online coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. How you all doing tonight? And this week, we're going to make sure that this actually works, no matter what happens. <laughs> because, oh, my God, last time was terrible. Anyway, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, uh, Happy Holidays. Um, I'm not a politically correct person, so it's Merry Christmas to me and to all of you. And I want to tell you something from the bottom of my heart. I am so grateful that all of you let us into your homes and into your uh, into your hearts and allow us input into your health care. Because there's one thing I'll tell you that our listenership has just exceeded 112,000. And I'm going to tell you something. It's because we tell the truth. And uh, we're not bent any particular place. All we want to do is see you people, especially with chronic diseases, get better because it is possible. Chronic does not mean permanent. So in that vein tonight, I have a special treat for you. I have best-selling author Lisa Denny's with me tonight. That's available on Amazon. Uh, Unveiling Lyme Disease. Is this what your is this what's behind your chronic illness? I gotta tell you something. I see the chat room just filling up right now. It's like going crazy. Going blah, 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 everybody's just filling up. And <clears throat> this is gonna be a little controversial. This show. I'm gonna let Lisa let loose, and if she doesn't let loose, I'm gonna let loose. Okay, because Lyme is that's right. I am. Okay, because Lyme is one of the big problems we're having. Can't use the C word, conspiracy, collusion, whatever. Uh, I can't use that word because even Facebook would not let me boost the post because I said that bad word. You know, that maybe Lyme disease, that maybe people don't want you to know about Lyme disease. Maybe they don't want you diagnosing it. And I can't imagine why. You know, I guess we're going to talk about why. <laughs> okay, so why not, why not end the year with a bang? You know, <laughs> if the show gets cut off or it explodes, you'll know why, okay? But uh, really, people, you know, I've been in practice about 40 years, and uh, honestly, um, a lot of the chronic illnesses that I'm seeing, many, 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 have their basis in Lyme disease, Lyme co-infections, and so forth. So let me introduce Lisa Denny's because I am, like, immensely impressed. <clears throat> Lisa Denny's is an author, life coach, and intuitive practitioner who has worked in healthcare and personal transformation fields. Hold on a second. 
Um, for three decades, I like somebody who's a contemporary. Yes. Okay. Uh, after, um, I'm sorry, her previous careers are as a doctor of Chinese medicine and acupuncture and occupational therapist, and given her unique holistic perspective on health and illness, that has given her her unique perspective. By the way, Lisa, you got more. You almost have as many letters next to your name as I do. But <laughs> I guess. anyway, for over thirty years, Lisa has dealt with her own serious health concerns, resulting in significant and devastating symptoms that at times completely disrupted all aspects of her life and work. So you know, she's not just writing about it; she's experienced these people. A determined health detective. Ha ha! You can't steal my. I'm the Sherlock Holmes of chronic diseases. No, you cannot. Ha- you cannot have it. But I'll let you be a health detective. Yes. <clears throat> Lisa has sought answers within and outside conventional medical systems. Exhausted and frustrating self-directed investigation and repeated misdiagnosis. She was finally diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease in early 2015. In early 2015, people. Her long path to diagnosis and now finally into treatment and recovery has encompassed many challenging experiences and created deep personal transformation. She is an incredibly intelligent individual, okay, and I really want you to listen very closely because a lot of what's going on with you, my friends, has to do with Lyme disease. It's a big it's a big lie. Not that the Lyme disease exists, but the Lyme disease doesn't exist. Those maps that you read that say where Lyme disease are, that's that's nonsense. They've, they found Lyme disease everywhere, including Antarctica and the emperor penguins. Okay, um, there's something going on, and we need to realize that's, that one of the first things you have to think of in chronic illness is Lyme disease. Lisa and her beloved husband, Jeff, I'm not even going to try this last name, Clendenning, Yes? Did I get it right? Okay. Yes. yes. Live with their dog and cat. Wow. I love dogs and cats. Uh, with their family in southwestern Ontario, Canada. And as much as I'm trying to make things jovial, this is one of the more serious subjects that uh, exist. And I am so honored to have you on, Lisa. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Jess. I'm really, really thrilled to be here. Tell us... Uh, you wrote this book with the major controversial title, Unveiling Lyme Disease. <clears throat> is, that what, is that what's behind your chronic illness? I got a little jealous because it was something I was thinking about doing, but you did it. And I didn't want to step on your toes, but, you know, you know can I tell you? But what are you, who is the book written for? Um, and tell us a little bit about what you hope to achieve by writing it, because it is controversial, let's face it. It is, it is. And, you know, when I got started on writing this book, I really had a specific kind of reader in mind, Jess. And really, this this book is for you if you're fed up with the way things are with your health and your life, and you're curious about what might be missing here that could help you feel better than you do right now. Or, as you've started talking about already, and we'll really be getting into tonight, maybe you've been given a diagnosis for your chronic illness, maybe it's chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, some kind of an autoimmune disease or neurological disorder like MS, and you want to delve deeper into what is really behind that label. And you don't want to accept that you're at the end of the road with so many things maybe you've already investigated and done for your health so far. Likely, like many of us, you've been either told that nothing more can be done to help you, and so you really want to find out what else is really going on, what's at this root of your condition, and you're determined to find better answers like I was. 
And some people have heard lots about Lyme disease. Some people heard a little about Lyme disease. We're going to get into tonight why that is. But your suspicions are raised enough, at least, that you're starting to wonder, like, what what about me? What if I could be one of these people with undiagnosed Lyme disease? Even if you've been tested for it, supposedly, and we'll get into that tonight, too, problems mm-hmm. with the testing, or even if you've been told that you don't have Lyme, you still could have Lyme. You might also, and this is a, a hot topic for me in, in terms of what happens to people with undiagnosed or misdiagnosed chronic illness for so long that got me fired up writing the book, is you might be at this point blaming yourself for not being tough enough to cope with all these symptoms and sometimes wonder if you really have anything legitimate medically or not. You've been worn down by your illness. You've been worn down by the system. You've had frustrating medical experiences where you have been blamed or just told that you're fine. So bottom line is I wrote this book because it took me 30 years to finally get a Lyme diagnosis after being labeled with several other things. And I, I just don't want anybody else to have to go through what I went through. And I hope by our conversation they're having tonight and by this book that I hope I will be able to help shorten someone else's path to diagnosis and recovery and help people know that you're not alone and there really is some hope and help out there for you. You have uh, you have taken your experience and your pain and you're serving other people. And, uh, you know, in the Bible, it, it says that, you know, the greatest thing you can do is give up your life for a friend. And uh, honestly, that doesn't mean that you're always jumping on a hand grenade. A lot of times, yeah. you know, taking, taking, you know, dedicating your life to something or taking those chances that you're going to get censured or you're going to get... Um, you know, into some kind of uh, issues if, um, you know, if you write a book like this. I I do think before we go on, I just want to mention to everybody something that I've mentioned about a thousand times before, okay, that what what is a diagnosis and what is not a diagnosis, okay? I know we're going to get into it, but there's a difference between a label or a a set of symptoms and a diagnosis. A diagnosis is a estimate or an opinion about what the root cause of a problem is. So, if you have a sore throat, that's a symptom. If you have strep throat, now you know why you have a sore throat. If you have chronic fatigue syndrome, that is not a diagnosis. It is a set of symptoms. If you have fibromyalgia, no matter how funny they say it on TV, it was what they was like fibromyalgia. They they find somebody to pronounce it a certain way, but it is not an entity. It does not exist. It is not a diagnosis. It is a collection of symptoms that have causes, cause or causes that need to be pulled out and treated. MS is not a diagnosis. It is a collection of symptoms. ALS is a collection of symptoms. Uh, You have to realize and start accepting the fact that these collections of symptoms have causes that can be reversed. It's the only way you're going to realize that you can, in fact, heal because when you have a chronic illness or a hidden illness, let's face it, you've been told, oh, sorry, it stinks to be you, okay? And I'm, and I'm talking about autoimmune diseases. I'm talking about right down the line, okay? All these things that we call chronic illnesses are not standalone entities unto themselves. There is no cause for rheumatoid arthritis. There is no cause for POTS, okay? These are syndromes. And they have root causes that cause downstream effects that express as those syndromes, and they have to be chased down. 
a lot of it has to do with Lyme. So, uh, sorry, Lisa. Um, I'm just so glad. I mean, I can just sit and listen to you all day too talk about this <laughs> because it's such. I mean, what you're saying is so important. It's so important, and it's not what we're led to believe at all. It's true, and that's why it's so important that you're saying this. Besides, I've been told I can talk all day, but more than that, I can pontificate. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are some of the obstacles that you that stood in your way? Now, when somebody's got a chronic illness, you 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 pegged it. You know, by the time after a while, you know, you go to one doctor, you go to another, you go to another, you go to another, and after a while, even your family's looking at you and saying, mm-hmm, "Yeah, sad. yeah." Okay, you just can't handle yeah. your life, you know. What are some of the obstacles that you faced in on this road? Yeah, this is this is a huge, huge question and a huge issue. So I'll try not to take all night hey. on this one, but I really want to cover is some it, important pieces it, on this. Yeah, you know what I, I, I want. I want to start with a, a quick quote on this, and I have this at the beginning of my book because it just sums up this mess with Lyme disease diagnosis and treatment, and it's so poignant, I have to, I just want to let you know. So this is from Kenneth Liegner, who is a physician in New York. He's been a Lyme literate medical doctor since 1988, and so here it is. In the fullness of time, the mainstream handling of chronic Lyme disease will be viewed as one of the most shameful episodes in the history of medicine because elements of academic medicine, elements of government, and virtually the entire insurance industry have colluded to deny a disease. This has resulted in needless suffering of many individuals who deteriorate and sometimes die for lack of timely application of treatment or denial of treatment beyond some arbitrary duration. That quote from Kenneth Liegner, Dr. Liegner, uh, just every time I see it, read it, I get very emotional. It's just goes to the it's heart of the problem. It yeah, is yeah. the heart of the problem. It, it is, is the, the heart reason of the why people are sick. And yes. I'll let you, I'll let you say why you think so. But I will tell you that in my past four or five lectures, I have used that quote as I'm talking about Lyme disease, and I reference your book because it is the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Jess, I know you've had a – I'm going to just gloss over a couple of brief things just to kind of level the playing field if anybody's new to some sure. to Lyme disease. Um, but I know you've got great podcasts on this already. There's lots of information out there from you and, you know, books from other people and stuff. So, basically, when I look at the idea of what the obstacles are in the way of somebody actually getting a Lyme diagnosis, um, I look at – about four main areas. So the first area, and I'll talk a bit about each area. So the first area is just this whole lack of overall medical awareness and so much medical information, misinformation out there. I'll talk about a bit more about that in a minute. The second one is problems with testing. The whole testing area, and I know Jess, you'll probably want to add to this, it's just, there's not a 100% reliable test for Lyme disease. True. In terms of lab testing, the third area that uh, obstacle to diagnosis is Lyme is it's been coined the great imitator, and there are big issues with how um, far-reaching it is, and how so many conditions can masquerade, how Lyme can masquerade in so many different d- diseases and conditions, and symptom lists, as you talked about a few minutes ago, and then the fourth reason, big can of worms, extremely important to bring to light 
Many of us believe that there are vested political and financial interests in keeping Lyme underdiagnosed and keeping this under wraps. So let me just talk a little bit about each one of these areas. Um, so Lyme is, is as, as people who've read about this, experience it, know, et cetera. It's uh, due to this, the spirochete, the spiral-shaped bacteria, Borrelia burgdorferi. And it's often associated with other kinds of co-infections, excuse me, viruses, other bacterial diseases. So it's very, very complex. Um, we could spend hours on this, some of it, which is far beyond me, but it's just, <laughs> it, it hides out, it mutates. There's all kinds of really tricky things with Lyme disease as a whole and the co-infections. The cause is usually linked to a tick bite, but there are other means of transmission. Lots to say on that in terms of passed down through the fetus, sexual transmission, other means of transmission. Only small percent of people get this classic bullseye rash, and uh, some people say 15, some say up to 50%. It's, it's pretty low, so like you can't go by the fact, oh, I felt a tick bite and I got a rash. It could be undetected, it could be painless, your symptoms can be delayed even from the time of transmission of this from 24 hours to weeks afterwards. And when you get this transmission of the, all these bugs, Lyme included, and the other bugs, you can just end up having flu-like symptoms. So it can be subtle or it can be severe, but typical flu kinds of symptoms, you know, fatigue, fever, headaches, neck, joint pain, swelling. And so you don't necessarily go and see a doctor or you don't necessarily remember having a tick bite. You don't make the associations. And then the big thing in terms of lack of overall medical awareness is, and this is the big can of worms for tonight too, it's just not widely recognized or even considered, let alone competently diagnosed by frontline physicians for lots of reasons. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But it's just, it's not on the radar. You can go to an insurance or... An, emer yeah, insurance. an emergency department or your family doctor, if you even think to do that. And it's not your fault. I mean, you you know, if, you don't know if you have Lyme or not, but they it gets missed. It gets missed. So then people think, oh, well, then I'll just go get a test for Lyme. So what, what's the test for Lyme? Well, here's the other bad news that the standard insured tests, you know, that are covered and depending on what country you live in and what the insurance plan is, whether it's government or insurance company um, paid, they produce false negative results. So you can have you can have Lyme and be told that you don't have Lyme for lots of complex, simple and complex reasons in testing. And I just want to put in a plug on for Jess on his Jess and Sean Bean have on their website now a link for uh, really excellent priced comprehensive testing for Lyme and co-infections. So in terms of this whole topic about what about the testing, what about the kinds of labs, um, there are only a, a few good specialty labs, one in particular um, that Jess and Sean are, are um, have this uh, set up with for a fantastic comprehensive package. Um, you really need you need to go to the right lab. You need to have the right kind of testing. It won't be covered on your insurance, chances are. And then the big deal with this is not only is the testing problems, but that Lyme is a clinical diagnosis, meaning Absolutely. you have to have, yeah, that's the, so it's not just, oh, I'll just go get a test. Well, the test is not great in the first place, and it has to be interpreted properly and in light of the history, the physical, you know, and Jess, you've got to know you can talk for ages about this. So it's not, there has to be sharp and experienced judgment on the part of the clinician. 
and these people who are well versed in this are are not a dime a dozen out there. You don't just find a, a Lyme literate practitioner or physician or someone who's able to really do the detective work um, to find find out what's going on. So it's a big problem, the whole testing thing. And it then really the is. Third, yeah, yeah. And then the great imitator thing, when Lyme is unrecognized or undertreated, it can become chronic and then it can masquerade not in acute form. You think it's the flu possibly. And then in chronic form, because it's not caught or it's not treated well enough or, or even treated at all, it can masquerade as so many common diseases and conditions and symptom complexes. And then again, it gets missed by doctors. It gets difficult to diagnose because they, they're not looking for it. They don't get it, and lots of reasons for that politically, again, and medically. And it can create let's, havoc let's not in the beat body. Up the doctors. So let's not beat up the doctors too bad because it's, there's no dishonor in practicing the way you've been trained. Exactly. Okay. I'm glad you and brought that even, up because I don't mean to come across that way. It's not no, their fault right. either. It's a, it's yeah, a you're absolutely correct. Problem. It's the system's fault. But, it, but yeah. there's a lot of doctors out there who are doing their due diligence yeah. And when they do the screening test and it's negative, they take table in their head. Okay. And that's and what they've been taught. Tough. Right. And that's what they've been taught. So you can see how deep this goes. Very. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that, Jess. And um, so chronic Lyme creates huge complications in all kinds of systems and organs in the body. Um, Chronic illness in general falls through the cracks in the system. We're really set up for acute care in most medical systems, especially insured medical systems. Uh, we have our own assumptions about this too, that, oh, well, go to the doctor and the family doctor will fix it. They've got often five minutes because of their system they have to work in. They've got five minutes often for an appointment and they can't they can't evaluate a complex symptom picture in five minutes. Their hands are tied, often many doctors. So again, a, a systems issue, they can't deal with it. And then you as a as a patient, as a client, you know, we get so accustomed to our own diagnosis and just trying to cope day to day that it doesn't often even occur to us to seek further help or to dig deeper, which is why I wrote this book. I didn't no, I had Lyme. I didn't. It wasn't even on my radar. I thought I just wasn't doing a good enough job managing my chronic fatigue syndrome. You know, so there's there's a, a lot of problems with how Lyme can present, and that it is so far reaching, and that it gets missed. And then that the fourth area in terms of the vested political and financial interests. Oh boy, it's a. Uh, it's really an expensive mess to acknowledge and treat Lyme properly. That's what it comes down to, that Lyme disease, particularly in its chronic form, is is not perceived as a money maker. It's seen as a money drain on the system because it requires long-term treatment when it's been missed and become chronic. That's expensive. That means money paid out by insurance companies. It's a huge can of worms in terms of Lyme having been found. It's a fact. It's been written about, studied. Lyme has been found to be a causative factor behind various neurological and autoimmune diseases like MS, ALS, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, rheumatoid arthritis. So, you know, you can imagine what impact does that have on some of the research dollars, the power structure of all these organizations and these industries that are set up a certain way and operating a certain way and now 
you know, here's this big kibosh in the mess here of like, what if Lyme is, <laughs> which it's been found, what if Lyme is at the root of so many conditions that have been pigeonholed into each of their own money-making um, industries, really? So if people really knew the truth of this, and we all are finding out the truth of this, sometimes by personal experience or by programs like this, they're really there is beginning to be a large public outcry and there's a lot of activism already going on within the Lyme community and that is really mushrooming. Glad to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If uh, Just a little aside, There's a if Please. you're wondering about your own symptoms um, in terms of Lyme, there are some good online questionnaires. Dr. Richard Horowitz, who wrote, Why Can't I Get Better? Solving the Mystery of Lyme and Chronic Disease, has a great long uh, questionnaire through his website, and I have a link to that on my webpage as well. Um, some of the Lyme Disease Foundation websites, the Canadian Lyme Disease Foundation website has a, has a good list there. So there's lots of symptom lists. If you're sitting here, you know, listening and wondering, oh, gee, I wonder if I had Lyme, you know, how would I even begin to look at some of these symptoms? There's lots of great materials out there for you. There is one one principle that everybody should know. If you have an undiagnosed illness and uh, you don't even have to spend time in the woods, Okay, uh, and it's almost anything because Lyme can express about a thousand different ways. If you have not been properly checked for Lyme, that is something you should revisit. You talked about being your own medical advocate. It is something I've, uh, at least I've been, you know, raising a flag about because it's the healthcare uh, provider's responsibility to be your advocate. But in this day and age, let's face it, people have to be their own advocates. And that's yeah. really that's sad. Yeah, it is sad, but it's absolutely essential, and it's something that I, I just can't stress enough. You know, we have to get our head around this as consumers, as patients, as clients, that you have to be the general contractor. I call it general contractor of your own I like health the concept. I like it. Yeah, it's just like, you know, if you... If you're building a house and you you are hiring different tradespeople to help you out with it, you're the one in charge. And for some reason, we have given our power away. Lots of reasons for that. We have, not intentionally, but it has happened in the system that we've given our power away for our own health. And, and it's really, it's a simple concept. It's a matter of taking it back. But it, it's not simple in terms of, oh, you just go out there and do that. I talk about it in my book that it's actually a learned skill. It doesn't come naturally, you know, to self-advocate. And, you know, we've been taught, as I said, you just go to a primary physician and they're supposed to have all the answers and they're supposed to solve our problems. Or if they can't, then they'll just refer us to the right specialist. And, you know, there's great specialists and great fields, but they're they're pigeonholed. They're very specific fields. And, you know, Jess, you t you talk about, and I, I quote you in the book about being the, the uh, I keep mixing it up, specialist, generalist, 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 specialist. Yeah, right. The generalist, specialized, specialized generalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah be, because, you know, you've got to look at so many different areas, right. and our system is not set up to do that. So, um, when it comes to chronic illness, when it comes to Lyme, you've got to be your own advocate. You have to go outside the insured system. You've got to go outside the mainstream system. You've got to look for healthcare detectives. And you've got to really, really take the responsibility of educating yourself about your condition or possible condition. 
you know, find and hire the best professionals you can and really keep digging for information. There are lots of things you cover in your book. Um, by the way, everybody, if anybody has a question for Lisa and you're on the chat, I'm monitoring the chat room, so go ahead and uh, type in a question. If you want to call in with a question, the number is 646-595-2277. That's 646-595-2277. I'm monitoring the switchboard and the um, chat room at the moment, so feel free to ask questions. Um <clears throat> You also cover an awful lot of practical things in your um, in your book, like the real challenges of living with a chronic illness. Um, yeah. You can talk a little bit about that if you would. Sure. So I talk about in the book, and I, I, I talk about skill building, and that there are sets of skills that you end up needing to develop to just navigate this whole self-advocate general contractor role when you're trying to find a new diagnosis, you're trying to reevaluate what's really going on at the root of your health while you're still coping with the realities of living with chronic illness in daily life and managing all these symptoms. So this, the skill area, the skill building area, some of the practical things I deal with in the book are navigating the medical system as the first skill, as I said, as a, as a learned skill, how to, how to make the most of the ways you can get access to what you need within both the conventional and the holistic medical systems and how to choose who can best help you and why, how, where do you find this person? A lot of practical pieces on just literally doing internet searches and questions to ask and who to look for and how you, how you, how do you do that if you're new to that whole area of being your own self-advocate? Another area I talk about is um, maximizing your day-to-day -day function during your diagnostic journey, I call it. So basically, all these challenges of living with chronic illness are so substantial, as everybody with an illness well knows. And you, you still have to, you're trying to manage that, and then you're going to take on this whole new job of pursuing a whole new medical resource network and learn about various things like Lyme that could be causing your chronic illness and go out there in the world trying to find new health professionals and not just go, oh, I'll just go to my family doctor and I guess they'll send me to the specialist. So it's a whole new world and it's pretty daunting. I, I You know, I have a health professional background and it was daunting for me too. It's hard being on mm -hmm. the other side of the fence there. You know, that's for I sure. So it. I do... It is. And, you know, because you're feeling sick, you feel powerless, you feel frustrated, you get down, you get dismissed. And so I like to, I, the way I've been taught in my professional training is a lot of analytical problem solving. And so I really like to look at practical things. Okay, how do you manage limited energy? How do you manage some of the troubling symptoms like brain fog? How do you cultivate new kinds of daily habits and structure and list making and priority setting and self-care activities and just making the most of the function that you do have. So I spend some time in the book talking about these very real day-to-day -day realities of coping while you've got this whole new job as general contractor. And then the, the third area I talk, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. No, no, no. I was just saying it's it's a beautiful thing that you wrote it this way because it would be really easy just to write a book of complaints about how the system's running, but you're not only exposing 
what the areas of difficulty are. You're, you know, empowering people with knowledge. You're giving them practical suggestions. You're telling them you're giving them significant uh, advice on how to live. Uh, this is what makes this book, you know, really, really, really special. Thank you. It's been kind of hard-earned, and I don't mean to sound either like, oh, I've got it all together. I have it all figured out. These are things I still struggle with day to day, (laughs) but over 30 years, I've learned a lot, you know, and I do, and I rely on these systems that I've set up, and I rely on my analytical thinking, and so I've learned a lot of things professionally and personally, you know, so that I can help people with this kind of stuff now through my work and through (laughs) writing about this in the book, because I I know how hard it is, believe me. So the last area, and it's certainly certainly not uh, without importance that I mentioned it last, that the mind-spirit area of living with a chronic illness and this complex interplay between your immune system, thoughts, emotions, symptoms, daily function, it's just a huge, huge area. And we, you, you can't get around this with chronic illness. You will be affected. Your spirit is affected. Your mind is affected. Your your mood is affected and any kind of past trauma, other stresses all come into play here. So we really have to pay attention to ourselves in this area, get help with some of the areas that come up, look at how our survival brain fight or flight response gets stimulated often and and can send you right over the edge. Uh, Work with people like Jess who know how to handle some of the neurotransmitter problems involved in some of these areas of of stresses and then working with within yourself. And I I talk about a lot of resources in the book for this too and just, okay, how do you assess what's going on with the mind and spirit areas and how do you start to kind of get your head around some of the things that are going on and how do we find ways to um, deal with the mood and the overwhelm and the emotional exhaustion that comes with a chronic illness so it's a this is a a huge area i just can't stress enough and it's a learned skill too you know we have to learn how to take care of ourselves and how to pay attention to these things so lots of lots of practical pieces in here there's uh to support um what lisa's saying uh for a more scientifically minded people out there Okay, uh, there in 1975, they came up with the concept of psychoneuroimmunology, which was from Robert Adler. They, the studies that were done at the time noticed that people who were sad and very emotional, they got more colds. So the medical establishment finally accepted the relationship between psycho the mind and uh, psychoneuro the mind and immunology. So your mind can affect your immune system. <clears throat> we kind of knew that, but, uh, you know, everything's got to be done on a scientific basis. In the 1990s, uh, Godfrey Kellerman, his PhD at the Neuroscience Corporation, um, with his research, uh, coined the phrase uh, neuroendoimmunology, where uh, neuropsycho um, and the endocrine system, the hormone system, and the immune system all constantly interacted and the way that they found that out is they found out that the biomarkers the hormones the cytokines the neurotransmitters each of those systems had the receptors for everybody else's biomarkers so they were constantly chattering to one another um most recently a rob nevro from the university of san diego medical school metabolic and mitochondrial disease center published a book on cell danger response and um i did a a podcast on it uh, earlier this month, 
<clears throat> the thing there that you should realize is that the actual damage to the cells is equal. Uh, the If you have psychological damage or you have uh, emotional damage, it will damage the cell equally. I'm sorry, I'm saying this wrong. As much as a microbial problem or a toxin problem. So the people who have been just poo-pooing the emotional aspect of it should know that there is a ton, and I do mean a veritable ton, of scientific, peer-reviewed, evidence-based, scientific evidence that shows that emotions and psycho the mind can affect, destroy, the immune system can affect the cells, okay? And it's not just you can't handle your life. Lisa's absolutely correct. It is a huge contributor, and it is usually ignored, yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up too, Jess, cuz I and and what what I find so tragic and I've been through this myself too. All this stuff I've been through myself it's there so I wrote about it. People blame themselves. There's so much shame that comes with chronic illness. There's so much blame and there's so much, you know, if you even though, you know, you're you're outlining here this is scientifically proven about the effect of emotions on every system in the body, we still have this the stigma about emotions and and psychological factors being somehow less than or less legitimate than physical pieces. And I think this is something we all have to change in our attitudes towards ourselves and our attitudes towards other people, that it's all very real and one thing is not more legitimate than another or more acceptable Mm -hmm. than another. Exactly, exactly. So we talked a little bit about... um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think gets in the way of somebody actively pursuing a new diagnosis? Mention a little oh, bit of it, but uh, maybe you yeah. can expand just a bit. Yeah, it's a lots, <laughs> lots gets in the way. This is um, it's give, such a big the and under digest the, version. the reader's <laughs> digest. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that erosion of your self-esteem that just comes along, you're just sick for so long, you, you end up losing any momentum for change, your sense of hope starts to erode away, and people start to feel like nothing's going to change, nothing's going to improve anyway, and you just get stuck in the day-to-day mundane things of trying to cope with pain and exhaustion and resign yourself to the label that you've been given, and uh, the self-doubt and blame and shame that I talked about that comes up, and you just can't seem to pull yourself up, and you start believing these perceived experts who tell you what you have, they give you your symptom your your label for your symptoms and so you start thinking well nothing can be done or oh gee it's all my fault I'm just not trying hard enough to manage it properly um, our, our brains are wired to stick with what we know even if it's miserable believe it or not our brains oh, are wired to stay, the brain's wired to stay with what's familiar it, it's a it's a survival mechanism in the brain too that it doesn't like new stuff and it wants to keep things the same and that's how our limbic system our primitive brain is wired so our brain will just make all kinds of excuses and reasons to justify the status quo so to keep us nice and safe and contained and quiet and, and so um your brain will trick you into saying that, well, there's no point in pursuing this and this is too much work and it's too hard. So 
I the the point that I'm really hope to get across to people tonight is don't believe everything your brain tells you about that. If you're feeling really stuck, there are people and techniques and things to help you out of that, and that might be one of the things. Actually, literally, your brain getting in your own way of pursuing a new diagnosis that you are stuck in this hopelessness and this mistreatment and the shame and guilt pattern. And so people just give up, and that's what makes me so upset. This is why I wrote my book, and I and I hope, just anybody listening, I hope that you will please reconsider this and get started on a new path. And people like Jess and Sean and me are here to help you, so please let us help you. What kind of difference did finally getting the diagnosis of Lyme make for you? What did it do for your life? Everything. It changed everything. It gave me the opportunity to completely improve my quality of life because now I have a target. Now I can know and address what's really going on. I have this real thing happening. So I can set up a targeted comprehensive treatment program, which I have. There's no more vague concepts or guesswork. The psychological stuff I talked about, the shame, the guilt, the self-recrimination, which had just completely infiltrated my way of being, it's really helped that. I finally can say to people, oh, I have Lyme disease. And part of me doesn't really want to have a label in some respects, but in other respects, it just feels good. It's finally like, listen, I didn't just make this up, you know. Like, I'm not just trying to make excuses for not attending things and being too ill and exhausted. So it was a huge huge relief and now I'm on an active rehab path I'm not in palliative care anymore I'm starting to learn how to have a new life and the efficacy of it is the fact that when you got the diagnosis and you started treating it you actually started getting better yes you started okay, treating it, it as a real thing yeah remember CFS fibromyalgia MS all these things are supposed to lead to death they're also yep. this supposed to lead to disability and death, and that's what's expected. Okay, yep. when you know the reason for it and it's possible to treat it, then all of a sudden you have power again. And even if we don't talk about it psychologically, you know, the fact is there's something to treat that's treatable. Fibromyalgia is not treatable. Oh, you can compensate for it if you like. Okay, chronic fatigue is not treatable in the sense of curing it. Okay, so I should say it's not curable. MS is not curable. ALS is not curable. ADD is not curable. Okay, uh, OCD is not curable. ODD, oppositional defiance disorder, is not curable when it's caused being caused by something else. You can treat it, but you can't cure it. You find the root cause. You can cure it. And that yeah. is the point that I'm picked up from your book is that if you have one of these thousands of symptoms and nothing else has shown up and you find out that this is what you have, now all of a sudden you have a lease on life. All yeah. of a sudden you're not just going to live in this horrible downtrodden disability and feeling horrible about yourself. And let's face it, you said it before, and I'm just going to say it a little more plainly. The system has beat people down. Yeah. The system has literally beat people down. They leave you. They're like, oh, we've done everything we can. Just here you go. We'll put you on disability, and I guess we have to be responsible for you because you're here. But, you know, I really wish you could just, you know, you know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and get out of here. You know, it's the system. It's not you. 
right? Yeah. This is what I yeah. what you're constantly telling people, and I am. Okay, yeah. it's not them; it's the system. Exactly. So you, um, uh, guys out there, I know you have questions. Okay, so start typing them. I know. Come on, call in. I've got an I've got an Uber expert online in here, somebody who's really experienced it. You can't tell me. I hear you breathing, by the way. Okay, you can't tell me you don't have questions. Okay, so come on, start asking questions. I'm answering the yeah. ones that I see, but you know, come on. So you know, it's if you want to call in six four six five nine five two two seven seven. Six four six five nine five two two seven seven. If you're on the chat, just type in a um, type in a question, um, and I will either ask Lisa or answer it myself. So if you um, you had you, I think you said it before, but I'll I'll take the chance on asking again. What are the main takeaways? Just if you wanted to listen, what's the main takeaways sure. that you want people to um, to go along with? So, to, take, to go away with. Yeah. So. Main takeaways today, if nothing else, you have to know that you need to go outside of the insured medical system to get deeper answers. You need to be the general contractor of your own health. Learn the skills to becoming your own healthcare advocate. Um, one part we didn't get to that I'd like to talk about is seeking out key practitioners who have the wonder quotient. This is somebody who has rabid enthusiasm for getting to the roots of what's going on, just like, like Jess, the Sherlock Holmes. I've, I've, been, ideas, I've been called but, rabid. I've been called other things, yes, too. Rabid, <laughs> rabid. They're a rabid investigator who just salivates at the opportunity to, to dig deeply into a case and solve it and figure out what's going on, and they love it. That's what makes and tick. That's the kind of practitioner you want, not somebody who's looking at their watch to see if it's lunchtime. Not that rabid practitioners don't get hungry too, but you know, you you want well, you get hungry really... for lunch, not for the answer. <laughs> <laughs> you want somebody who's really going to. Yeah. Um, you want them to work on your behalf, right? Absolutely, because you want. And then. To... Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. There's some. There's someone asked a very good question that I that I, I'm not. I would like you to answer. Do Lyme patients ever become normal? I am holding the intention that yes, Lyme patient become Lyme patients can come back to some kind of a real a new life that is, I believe, better than their previous life because they have gained so much from all of the crap they've gone through that it's a whole new world out there. And I believe with the resources that are available holistically and medically that people can have a whole new life and recover. That's what that's the intention I am fully holding. Okay. What and do you I'd believe, like to, Jeff? Oh well I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna add to that uh, and again um uh I have complete respect for what you're saying. Um my answer is an unqualified yes and I'm gonna tell you why. Uh, remember that let's talk only one thing, although it's never one thing. Let's say you have Lyme disease and you have it for years. Okay. We treat on the acute care model, which means that the thought pattern is, let's say you're a kid and you have strep throat and you have no other real damage going on in your body. So the doctor gives you some antibiotics about a week or so later, kills off most of the bugs, then your immune system, you know, mops up the rest of them. You feel bad for about a week or so, and then you're fine. Here's the difference. You've had a single event 
no downstream effects, no damage, and you recover very quickly. But when you have chronic Lyme disease, what else do you have? You may have yeast. You may have Epstein-Barr. You may have multiple things that synergize. They don't just add. They synergize. And it's a synergistic effect is the downstream effects on the cells, on the gut, on the brain, on the yada, 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 yada. So now your body is not capable of healing itself even if you took away all the bugs. So what we're seeing now is a bunch of people who have been treated for Lyme disease and the like, but no one has treated the downstream effects or the effects or the damage to the body that the bugs have done. And therefore they maintain illness. You get the impression, oh, there's nothing else to do. And what we've been doing is treating not only with other doctors, of course, treating the root causes, but treating the body itself. And yes, people will heal completely if you give their bodies the opportunity to do so. But it starts with the chronic illness model, which means root cause, downstream effect, realizing that there is damage on both ends and you have to treat both, not just one. Fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, you're treating the downstream effects. You can treat the Lyme, but if you don't treat the downstream effects, nobody gets better. And so you really, they're weak. just... Go ahead. They're just getting... People who aren't getting better are really not being... They're being treated incompletely. They're being As treated said, incompletely. They're not, they're, they're not getting the downstream effects. They're not getting the holistic approach. They're not looking at all the damage that's been done and offsetting all exactly. of that. They're just, kill, they're just killing bugs. So yeah, their treatment yeah. is incomplete. In the neurological system, there are things called facilitated pathways, okay? If you ever took karate as a kid, okay, um, like I did. <laughs> I have a black belt in Tangsudo a long time ago. Okay, but if something comes at me, I will still make the same motion with my hand to block it. It may be slow, but it's the same motion, uses the same muscles in the same pattern. Same thing happens when you're ill. You, d- you develop pathways that give you certain symptoms. Those pathways are partially determined by genetic predisposition and how it expresses and so forth. If you don't put a lot of traffic through the pathways, the pathways are still there, okay, if you don't actually fix the problem. So let's say you take away the Lyme and everything else, and then some virus comes along. That energy, if you will, will go along that facilitated pathway and make you feel like you have still have Lyme, okay? It's been demonstrated clinically that you can actually heal cells. You can actually heal the gut. You can actually heal what these things have done and that it will give that person complete healing, especially if you consider both ends of the equation. Uh, I know this is not a soapbox that you've ever heard me on before. (laughs) (laughs) Never, never, no. (laughs) Very important soapbox for everyone. Very important. It is true, though. Yeah, it is. So go ahead. Oh, just for the last few takeaways, um, I was going to say, um, so building the whole, that the Wonder Crochant practitioner and then building your comprehensive uh, healthcare team. And this was a term that I learned from, from you, Jess, and from Sean about each practitioner having their own information wall, that one mm-hmm. practitioner doesn't have every skill that you need. And that's a fact. It's fine. It's okay. It's all good. Nothing so it just that. means, no yeah, and it's, it's there's no dishonor in that, you know, so you just build your team with great people who each have different skill sets and it's, that's, it's wonderful. It works. 
and then you develop your own practices to address your brain and mindset factors and as well as whoever you need team member wise for that and stop blaming yourself is another big message I really want to get across today and to be persistent that that there is hope and there is help and there are answers for you and you are worth it. There's uh, one person who asked that they've been told that it might not be possible to con- completely get rid of or kill all of the Lyme and also the co-infections, and the goal is to minimize it. Uh, I believe that is not true, um, and the reason that the uh, the concept of minimization of it is because people still maintain symptoms for the reasons I just said. So, mm-hmm. yes, it is possible to get rid of Lyme. It's possible to get rid of any infection, Okay, it's just it's just an infection. Okay, and yes, it can get into the brain, and yes, it can get into a lot of different places. Okay, but it can be gotten. Okay, don't ever disbelieve the fact that it can be gotten. Yes, does it take a team? Absolutely. Does it take the expertise of several different types of physicians who are passionate about what they do? You bet. Okay, but we're here to tell you that those physicians are out there. Okay, and those physicians will work with you. And a lot of us work together. We don't work by ourselves. We don't, you know, hold our information. Okay. We start working together, which is the way it should be, so that people can actually get complete healing. And that, that to me, is a sign of a true health professional when they are willing to work together and they are willing to park their ego at the door and they are willing to keep learning. You know, that's what really matters, where you're actually there for the sake of the the patient, the client, and and in their best interests, and you know, open to constantly learning from your patients, from your clients, and to learning new research, new things that are out there, and constantly applying it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And there are many. There's many different things that need to be looked for. Um, there's a question here: Is so what other protozoa cause biofilm formation? And, and we're not going to answer that particularly tonight because it gets very technical. Assuming line through fry labs is negative, but biofilm is no, what else can you look for? Um, the spirit of that particular question is that there can be multiple uh, bugs affecting you, okay? Uh, without getting answering that particular question, which we get into a very long uh, discussion, uh, when you start getting your immune system knocked down by something like chronic Lyme or any chronic infection, other things can sneak in. Okay, and it can get very, very, very complex. That's why it not one person can handle it and has to be looked at holistically. And I don't mean holistically just alternative medicine-wise. I mean the whole thing has to be looked at. And we actually have a, a caller. Wow. Nice person in the 831 area code. Are you there? Uh, yes, I have a question, and I apologize. I had to tune in late. I hope you're going to have a recording of this afterwards. Oh, you? yeah. We we. This always these are always archived, always recorded. Right after the uh, show, it'll be right up on the uh, right up on my website. Okay, great. But I, I do have a question, so it may have already been covered. But I was tested for Lyme, and then it was negative, and so five years later, I've been horrifically sick. And finally, um, Sean recommended that I get the um, what was it the um, MDL test. Mm-hmm. And when I took it to my doctor, it showed positive. Um, and the bo- the bands are what really revealed it. And so that's why I, that's why we use MDL. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what my question was. What I want to do is ask you to explain why you use MDL over Igenex, and I'm going to hang up and record it and take it to my you don't have. You don't have to record it. It'll be on the recording. Okay, I'm going to tell you exactly oh, right. why. That's right. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Igenex is, is a very good company, but number one, they want their money up front. Number two, they're very expensive. Number three, they don't show you the tests. Okay. Uh, so MDL Labs uh, in, in the United States accepts most insurance. Uh, there are, of course, people that you know, aren't insured, but you know, they accepts most insurance, and, which is a real plus. Plus, uh, the other thing is that when I'm looking at the uh, – just talking about the Western blot testing, there are three different parameters that I can look at. Number one is their reporting of the antibodies. Okay, number two, if you would look at the test, you see the bands, plus there's a box, a, a grid on top. So any amount of uh, antibodies are registered, okay? Uh, remember, what people don't realize is that the bands, which tell you whether something's there or not, the computer logic says that I'm not going to report the band as positive unless it's 60% or more of the intensity of the example band, well, guess what? I've seen the computer read two or three bands, and I see 12. Okay, you put that together with the other grid and the person's history, and your index of suspicion goes way up because it's a mm-hmm. clinical diagnosis. The big problem, and I mean no disrespect to anybody, okay, before I get yelled mm-hmm. at, and I always get yelled <laughs> at, okay, and I don't mind because really, you know, I do it for my patient's best benefit, is that we have to get out of the habit of treating the test. So if the test doesn't say, if the test says it's negative, that doesn't mean it's negative, okay? It only means that that test is showing this. You've got to put it together. How many people out there are cold in 95-degree weather, are losing hair, and they're overweight, okay? And you have a normal thyroid test. You bring it to, and if you, this were the old days, and you went to your family, your G, GP back in the 50s, and handed him a normal thyroid test with those findings, he'd look at that test and say, I'll use this for toilet paper later, throw it away, and start treating you. Now, mm-hmm. do you know how many people have hypothyroidism that just simply don't show up, doesn't show up adequately on the test? So they have to suffer for years until the thyroid gets to the point where it actually fails, and then they'll be treated to some, you know, some treatment that was appropriate, that's nonsense. Okay, you have to treat the person, not the test. But the reason I use MDL is because I have several correlating factors that I could look at because often I need to refer people out to a medical physician or anything who's going to be treating them like an LLND, and I want to be able to show them and say, look, what you see here, 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 and here, okay, my index of suspicion is very, very high. And when I say it like that, all of a sudden their, their eyes go bink, Okay, and the person starts getting care. And if I have to be my patient's advocate, that's why I use NDL labs. Okay, no other lab yeah. in the country allows me to look physically at the Western blood. And I've taught a lot of other doctors how to read it. Okay, but I can't tell you the amount of times where it was negative before, and then someone comes up, there it is. It's not only positive, it's CDC positive. It's like, oh my mm-hmm. God. And you send it, and the efficacy, you start treating it, the person starts getting better. Gee, that's the real proof that something is that your diagnosis is correct because when you treat it, the person gets better. Okay, mm-hmm. it's all this. I'm going to test and let my testing do the diagnosis. Okay, what do we go to school for for all those thousands of hours? 
I'm supposed to do the diagnosis, not the testing. The testing is supposed to confirm or push me in a different direction. Okay. It's, it's just screwy the way that it's set up. So now you have it recorded, even with all my screaming and yelling. Okay. <laughs> Very good. And then uh, can I ask another question? Do you have others sure, waiting? Okay. No, no, fine. Um, what do you feel about the, um, like the differences or the, you know, pros and cons of the Calden treatment or the Klinghart? Okay, we're we're not we're not allowed to talk about specific treatments. Okay, okay. Um, only, only because it's it's unfair to the uh, guest, and um, I don't want people to uh, remember. I'll just say one thing that sometimes nothing works for everybody, mm-hmm. and um, so I wouldn't like to make generalizations. Uh, okay. Like Cowden and and Klinghorn may work for one person, may not work for another. Rife machine, we, I've seen the Rife machine work. For somebody that doesn't, you know, reacts to everything else, uh, the reality is that there are many roads to the same place, okay? And that is a treatment decision should be made between you and your health advocate, your healthcare practitioner. And that's why I don't mm-hmm. allow this kind of that, the answers to that type of question because then okay. I'm blocking people from other types of thinking. So I don't mean to be rude, but that's why I don't oh, answer no. that question. Okay. And then I also found it really hard to find LLMDs or LLNDs listed on various websites. It seems like there's some controversy about some of them that really are qualified don't get themselves listed as that. Can you help me understand that? Well, the is only there... place I know of um, the only place I know of to go is ILADS. Mm-hmm. Uh, ILADS is a, is a, the people who train them. Lisa, what do you think? Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing as a sort of a standard resource network there. Yeah, through ILADS website. Yeah, because yeah, I went to them and there wasn't any locally. I mean, the closest one was like three hours away. So yeah, well, if I, if I could not... just mention three hours, ahead, maybe actually fantastic. Um, in oh, the really? Lyme world, yeah, in the Lyme world, if you're not having to fly across the country, consider yourself lucky. I don't mean to be totally pessimistic, but, you know, to find really good Lyme literate physicians, um, it it can be a challenge. And so if you have somebody within a three-hour drive, fantastic. Great. Yeah, it is true. It is true. And and what you really need to be careful of, Lyme is one of those things that can make a doctor a lot of money. So who's ever hanging out the Lyme shingle? It's sort of like the methylation doctors out there. You know, they're hanging out the methylation shingle, you know, shingle without, you know, taking a weekend course. And I, I sit back and laugh, but guess what? They're drawing people in because of the word. Okay, the people who are truly trained. Okay, you got to have to do a lot of research. They have beautiful websites, but you have to do an awful lot of research. Okay, plus they are very expensive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, due that's, diligence, um, doing your doing your due diligence to check yep. out the practitioner, ask lots of questions, find out their mm-hmm. experience, um, find out how long they do their assessment and treatment, how do they determine mm-hmm. how to diagnose, really, you know, feel empowered as a consumer that right. it's your right to really grill them. You're grill paying, the you are hiring stuff. them, yeah. they are not hiring, hiring you. Them. Exactly. Okay, you are yeah. not, you are, you have every right to interview them. Okay, you are paying your money to get the treatment from an individual. Do not feel bad about it. I can't tell you the amount of people who grill me. <laughs> and I don't mind answering your questions. I really don't because, you know, you're bringing me your most prized possession. That's your life, your personage. 
Okay. And if I don't have the right attitude and the right training, you go somewhere else. Okay. My, my favorite joke is in you know, the United States of America, you can't swing a dead cat and not hit a doctor. Okay. So there's lots of doctors out there. You just do your due diligence. That's all. Okay. And don't be afraid. There's no, especially the gurus. Be careful. Be careful of the gurus. Okay. Interview them. Yeah. Find out, you know, you're going to go see Joe Schmo guru, but are you really going to be treated by some minion who has two weeks of training because they want to work with Joe Schmo you know, guru? You want to make sure that if you're going to somebody who's that experienced that you're being treated by that individual. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. You're most welcome. Thank you for calling. Great questions. Oh, great. Thanks. Anybody else out there have some questions? Uh, there's a lot of, there, uh, the people in the chat room are asking um, about therapies and uh, treatments. We cannot answer those questions. Okay. I, um, I guess we could, but it's not fair to answer the questions because there are many, many different ways of treating Lyme and Lyme related diseases. And what, what, what worked for Lisa uh, may not work for you. Okay. What worked for someone else may not work for you. And I rather you not enter into a course of treatment because it worked with somebody and it not be specific for your physiology. So these are the reasons why I'm not allowing these particular questions to be answered. Okay, it's not fair to you. And what you should be doing is, as Lisa said, doing your due diligence, finding your healthcare team, and then discussing with them what is the most efficacious course of care for your particular condition. And I apologize, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm trying to be fair and I'm trying to be real. And I think just, you know, just to address the distress of people going, what should I do? What should I do? That it's a very real distress. And yes, the due mm -hmm. diligence and yes, the, you know, really like go inside yourself in addition to gathering information and build up your sense of trust in yourself and your gut feeling about what feels like the right thing for you. I think that's very highly underrated and overlooked that, that true. people have to realize that they have a certain amount of ability to really trust what feels good for them in their treatment mm -hmm. and what is appealing or not appealing. There's lots of options out there. So in addition to all the left brain parts of the analysis and the questions and the due diligence, extremely important. There are lots of right brain techniques and, and um, formal techniques of, of using your intuitive uh, skills, et cetera, is a scenario I get into as well, and building that up to really trust your own judgment on that and find what's right for you. I'm so glad you said that. Uh, one of my favorite things I tell my my new patients is that I'm probably the only doctor that will listen to your intuition. Because when I get confused, I'll say, so what does your intuition say? <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's important. It's really it important. And it's very, it tends to be underrated and forgotten in our, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. In the intimidating world of medicine, you know, I think we get into so much of the left brain activity that we forget we have this whole other aspect of our brain and our heart that is quite capable of making very good decisions on our own behalf and our spirit itself, you know, all of that is very important. People, people forget that evidence-based medicine is a misnomer. Okay. Nobody yeah. ever asks about the quality of the evidence. Okay. You've got to be careful with scientific studies, who has backed them, who has paid for them, how many drugs come out, 
that six months later is killing people and you find out that they buried studies and so forth and so on. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's, it's tough. That's why you have to be your own advocate and, or develop relationships with people who you really trust. Yes. Lisa, yes. How, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, and uh, what can you offer people who are really determined to move forward in exploring how to get to the root of their health concerns? Um, how can they get in touch with you? How can, they, how can you help them? So the simplest way to, to reach me is go to unveilinglime.com. Um, very simple web page I have on there. It'll be uh, a, a, an opportunity to grab a one-hour recorded teleclass. Could Lyme be the cause of your chronic illness? Another um, <laughs> set of uh, pieces like we're talking about tonight. Um, so just click on that, the free teleseminar audio. It'll sign you up to my mailing list. You'll get more information from me, and it gives you a chance to um, get in touch with me at the bottom of the page. There's a link to my email, which is info at unveilinglime.com, um, a link to my Facebook page. So there are various ways to get in touch with me. There's links there to buy my book, if that's something that you're interested in as, as background reading. And in the book, um, if you do decide to go that route, I just want to make sure you know at the back page of the book, there's a thank you page that has more direct links in there for some more free resource information. So there's lots of free stuff there for you, very low cost. It's a Kindle book. It's a few dollars. Uh, you know, if you want to start somewhere and say, okay, where do I start on my own path and exploring this? There's, there's some good practical information there for you. As far as uh, working with clients directly, um, you know, you may feel that you're stuck, you're overwhelmed and foggy, and you just don't know where to start. This whole process of finding healthcare help can be very daunting. So I do help people, work with people one-on-one, -on -one, figuring out what's in the way of better health, how to tackle all of this in a step-by-step -step rehab fashion to go forward and and to, to sort out this muddled mess of, you know, what are the obstacles within yourself, what are the obstacles externally, and to reduce these obstacles to you getting on your path step by step. So there are ways to work with me directly. Again, just go to that unveilinglime.com or email me info at unveilinglime.com, and I'm happy to see what we can do to help you out. Now, people, I will tell you that Lisa, I know her for quite a while, okay, and I will tell you that she's a good, honest practitioner. She's a good, honest individual. And um, I heartily recommend working with her on any uh, problems that you may have. Uh, there's very few people that, you know, I have this level of respect for. And she's the best. She's really the best. She's got the right attitude. And, you know, she's been down this road, so you just can't get better. Um, thank you, Lisa, Jeff. I really, you're most welcome. I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight. Uh, and sharing all your uh, insights with us. Uh, people now have a way of getting in touch with you, and they can ask further questions. Um, and Jess, I, I want to thank you. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I just no, I want to thank you too, and, and I want I want to let people know that um, this is this is a really important evening for me, Jess, being on your show, and I want to let people know why, and that is because. I, in a year, year and a half ago, I was in the position of being really distraught and not knowing what to do. And that was when I first listened to your radio show, this radio show, a year and a half ago. <laughs> when, oh, look at these resources here for me, Jess and Sean. And I, I was on the phone asking you guys question after question, excited to finally get this honest um, detective work help for healthcare 
like so much information and it I can't tell you how thrilled I am to be I feel like I'm in a place of paying it forward tonight. And um, you know, uh, I received that help for me that led to my diagnosis and treatment and I hope to give that same sense of help and hope to other people and I'm just I'm goosebumps and thrilled to just be able to be here on this call tonight. It's I'm full circle so for me. I'm so, so happy, I really am. You're Thank most you. welcome. Our our intention was to give people with chronic illnesses hope, and uh, it's not a matter of hope; it's reality. It, can, you, it chronic illnesses are not permanent; they can be turned around. Um, you have uh, Lisa's uh, information info at unveilinglime.com. Uh, people who are looking to get proper Lyme testing. Uh, on our website, methylationsupport.com, you can go to the test um, the store. There's a testing page. You can give us a call because we're about to update that. Uh, if you're in the uh, United Kingdom, Lyme Testing UK is up and running. If you're in Australia, Lyme Testing AUS. We even have a Polish site, okay, giving the same testing. Okay, and very soon we're going to have Lyme Testing Canada. And you'll be able to get this testing at MDL Labs at a reasonable price. And you can also, as part of that testing, get a uh, consultation with an expert like myself to interpret the testing, which is the real problem, okay, is not only getting the testing but interpreting it. Uh, that's going to be okay. So uh, if my site's not as clear as it should be, you can go to any of those other sites and see uh, what's being offered and it's being offered at a um, at a very um, reasonable price, and um, we're trying to make it so that you can get properly diagnosed, uh, and then you know we'll make suggestions of where you can go to look for um, different types of treatment. We won't treat you, but we will uh, we will help diagnose you. Jess, okay, uh, can I just big... plug? That's Please. fantastic. That is a fantastic everybody. Honestly, if I had had this a year and a half ago, oh boy, I would have jumped at the opportunity. And my, my disclaimer: I'm not. I don't get any money from this. I'm just thrilled <laughs> that it's out there. Honestly, it is a fantastic resource. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> if you think you might possibly remotely yeah. have Lyme, just like go for it and do it. You've got these experts helping you. It's a huge, fantastic battery of tests from the best lab. The price is unbelievable. So yeah, there's my plug. I, I'm excited well, thank about you. it. It's really a well, great it's resource. A it's a diagnosis that 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 is a thing. You know, if we can, you can put it together with with a history and say, well, the probability is very high. Then you can go right to your physicians and say, look, you know, start treating me. Otherwise I'm going to have to smack you around, you know? And, um, <laughs> and it's true. It's true. Sometimes you've got to look in square in the face, but I wouldn't have said that a year and a half ago, but now I've been realizing that the changes, the doctors who've been calling me to be trained and are not coming from the fact from their own societies, they're coming from their patients who are saying, you know, you should know this stuff. Okay, yeah. how come you don't know this stuff? And it's not a bad yeah. thing. The doctors just didn't know where to go, you know. And honestly, it has grown significantly to the point that I have to work 12 hours a day. And I'm hoping to keep training other doctors so I won't have to work 12 hours a day. <laughs> Seven days so. a week, which is kind of getting on my nerves after a while, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I want to thank you again for your time and um, for writing this book. It's um, People, it's on Amazon. It's on Kindle. If you don't have a Kindle, you can get the Kindle download from Pure 
it's free. And the book, Healing Lyme Disease, is this the is this what's behind your chronic illness? Is a grand total of two dollars and ninety nine cents. I think you can all afford it. It is worth it. I've read the book several times already. I keep picking up good stuff, uh, and uh, there's lots of resources. So please take advantage of it. Uh, Lyme is the great imitator. And it can express in a whole mess of different ways. And yes, it can be passed in utero. And yes, it could be the reason why your child, even though they, have, they haven't been out in the woods, can have you know, all kinds of neurological problems. So if it hasn't been at least considered and considered properly, hopefully in about 10 years, that will be considered malpractice. But as it is now, we'll just have to you know, carry on. Okay? So Again, don't give uh, up. <laughs> never give up. Never, never surrender. <laughs> yes. Never surrender. <laughs> Lisa, thanks so much. I appreciate oh, it. Take thank care. You. Thank you. Thanks. Merry Christmas you too. here. <laughs> Me too. All right, people, I'm going to close the show now. I, I again I wanna thank you guys very, very much for um you know, being part of my family for these past couple of years especially. Uh we've made loads of progress. Uh many, many people are healing. Uh, that didn't even think that they could heal. And it's not because of me, it's because of you. It's because you've been listening and you've been, you know, forcing your healthcare practitioners saying, hey, look, this this is not right. Okay, that empowerment has really helped. So you keep it, keep it up, keep it up. And remember that chronic diseases can be reversed. Okay, it's not permanent. Keep saying that to yourself. Keep looking for the root causes. Look for the downstream effects. Work with someone. doesn't have to be me. doesn't have to be Sean, but work with somebody who you trust that has that mental paradigm, okay, because then they won't give up, okay? So, again, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, um, Happy Kwanzaa, is it? I don't know. Anyway, Happy Holidays to everybody, um, and thank you. Thank you very much. been a long road getting from there to here it's been a long time but my time is finally here that I can feel